welcome to another episode of the Silicon Caribbean podcast, where we look at the digital trends that are influencing the future of Caribbean business. As usual, I'm talking to Caribbean people who I find online and out there in the wild who are using technology and very innovative thinking to launch all kinds of digital businesses. So you're going to get to know who they are and what they're doing as I take you to that part of the Caribbean that's beyond the beach and going digital. I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the future of Caribbean digital content, specifically video, films, podcasts, and blogs. Why? I have some uh, money to put on the table for you. Because the global digital content market is poised to grow by U.S. $283 billion during 2019 to 2023, according to a new report by Technavio. So what we're talking about, money there, growth there, in terms of digital video um, content, digital game content, digital text content, audio content. So we're going to be talking about this because it creates a fantastic opportunity for the Caribbean. And because I know we're just simply not making enough of this for ourselves and for the world. And then add to that... We have the context of moving through a pandemic, the effects of, uh, you know, a pending, um, you know, L-curve recession, as they call it, and of course, the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement around the globe. All of this is presenting serious challenges, but also stunning opportunities, because we're all pretty much, for the most part, inside, hyper-connected on our smartphones, our computers, our tablets, and smart TV. So today, we're going to discuss, of course, what all this means for the future of Caribbean digital content, where we are, what we can be creating moving forward. And I'm so happy to have with me two guests. They're both women, and yes, that's deliberate. First (laughs) is Tanya Taylor, writer, (laughs) fixer, filmmaker, and second, Carrie Ann Reed Brown, double barrel name. She must be Jamaican. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's an entrepreneur, a podcaster, and a blogger. Ladies, women in digital, women in digital content, welcome to the Silicon Carib Show. Yo, thanks for having me. Yes, 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 yes. So, how are you guys doing generally? How the COVID retreat is treating y'all? Well, I miss Mango. <laughs> <laughs> so I should not I should not tell you about um, no, the mango okay. delivery I'm, I'm, I'm delivered, having delivered today okay no mango okay what about you Carrie so L- Tanya Miss Manga what about you Carrie listen me alright now the COVID you know yes before me lockdown me go up at the Bronx and buy some hard door bread so I sit down for me eat them take them ties like pumpkin <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> so no yeah, I, I saw the COVID retreat set. You know, you know, cozy inside, and with a retreat, it. You know, yeah, and, and of my, course, my the... retreat done my coffee, my Jamaican coffee, my pepper jelly, my sorrel chutney, um, and all of the delivery them we used to get. So no oxtail, <laughs> no mango. Mm-mm. I'm not having a retreat. I'm having a non-Jamaican retreat. It's not very well. Hard. Well, clearly because both are uno, uno they are foreign. Uno, yes. Both are in New York, which I now refer to, even though it's my second home and the place I'm supposed to be living at. Actually, this time, um, by this time, 
in 2020. Um is a is a hotbed of of COVID infections right now. You know what I mean? But I mean, Tanya, let me talk to you um, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you are pretty much you, you live like a couple blocks from Times Square. Mm-hmm. What does uh, tell me about how COVID has been affecting you personally and also professionally? Well, personally, I mean, I moved to the middle of Times Square, the middle of the city, because of Hell's Kitchen with the food to my right and Broadway to my left. And let's just say I haven't been able to do any of those things. So, so it's affected me a lot. And, and then I usually travel back and forth to Jamaica to do various fixer jobs or to re- direct commercials. I used to direct all the KFC commercials, uh, or at least all of them for the last five years. And so I would be able to visit my Jamaican friends and family and pick up a few things like my coffee. So I never felt like I was too far from Jamaica. But these last three months, having been trapped in an apartment in Midtown, kind of is different. So personally, that's that's a struggle. Um, and but professionally, um, you know, I've been keeping busy by trying to flex my creative muscles, utilizing the latest that we have in our digital landscape, um, and just have fun with it. Uh, you know there are good days and bad days because of course it's COVID. And then with Black Lives Matter, I've been getting a lot of phone calls this week. (laughs) So Hollywood seems to be knocking on doors now. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. You know, that white guilt is real. Um, So, yeah. Yes. Yes, Yes, it is. And, you know, we we should help them with that. Uh, (laughs) How long how long have you been in the in in the in the content business? You're a writer, you're a fixer, you're a filmmaker. Tell me a little bit more about your background. Tell tell us about more about that. Well, I I started in advertising. I was a creative director in advertising in the late '90s, and in the early 2000s, I got into film and TV production. I've been producing, writing, producing, and directing Jamaican content since then, since 2001, 2002, round about there. Um, and I had several great series in Jamaica. This was in Jamaica and I moved to New York only five years ago. Um, when the Jamaican market just, I figured I'd saturated it and I wanted to learn something new, have a new challenge. And so decided I wanted to spread my diverse, what I call my Jamaican lens to the rest with the rest of the world. And so I've been here kind of pursuing that sort of thing. Um, first narrative short, actually indie short paid self-funded um i did that last year and i've been doing the festival circuit and meeting all the people in the business so it's been very interesting in in the last year and a half or so to see what the trends are um, when it comes to content and the acceptance of jamaican and caribbean content because i had a lot of doors open because of the jamaican behind my name wow that's fantastic. Um, you know, I want to come come back to you as we're heading to the discussion. But Carrie Ann, you've been um, living in New York for way longer. Donkey years now. Okay, maybe not donkey years, but I moved, <laughs> you know, um, so I tell everybody, I, everybody think I look young. And like I said, I'll take it. But I moved to Jamaica, I moved from Jamaica in 93. I left after my third, ninth, um, I said ter- third form, ninth grade, I went to Mount Alverna and Moby. And so I've been living in New York. So my website says Jamaican born, Brooklyn bred, child of the Caribbean, because it's just like a, 
uh, a, a trifecta of things. Ingrid, as you know, you know, like New York is a little Caribbean, really. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. that energy is just really super alive and well. And so for me, Tanya, I'm going to tell you the lick. You see, anytime I go to Jamaica, you just have to have a separate food bag. So you get all mm-hmm. of the stuff in the freezer and cut it in the freezer. <laughs> Listen, we just make some callaloo rice because my mother-in-law was in Jamaica in January. And I just said, just go buy some callaloo from the freezer and she bring it up and I just bust it out and I eat. So that's kind of, you know, I'm not missing the Jamaican food as well because mm. I know how to send out people when they go to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, that comes oh from being living in this country 20 years and knowing that there are certain things while it's available here, there's nothing like getting it directly from Jamaica. So from a food perspective, my good. Um, from a working perspective, I mean, you know, I do have a nine to five in addition to all the other jobs that I have, typical Caribbean Jamaican tendencies. Holy and power, holy power jobs. I've run 10 jobs. Holy, holy. <laughs> And so the job that I do, for the most part, I never really had to go into an office. I work with consultants. Most of the time, they're traveling on client sites. And so before COVID happened, I worked from home 60 to 70% of the time. So that adjustment is the pit of them being home was the bigger adjustment because they were driving me crazy. But outside of that, from a creative standpoint, from a side hustle, my own personal business or entrepreneurial endeavors... Um, the retreat, I, I said, I love the name, has allowed me to really catch up and do some things, not feel pressure to put out content because everybody else are do it. And so I don't need to compete with everybody else putting out content, but just keep my same cadence and then just take time, pinka panka, just a domalika thing. And like Tanya said, just really having that creative freedom because we are all in this like be still like you're you're in the house you have to be kind of still and um really you know i've been telling clients and i've been telling my creative partners like yo what we're doing you know there's a template and there's an example but we run things right so any any creative freedom that we want to exercise we're able to do that and i feel like i'm able to do that and so, so that's how I'm dealing, you know, with the retreat and then with Black Lives Matter. Ingrid, I just saw your tweet that you did yesterday. I'm ready to get into that. Like that movement in terms of digital, it's like it will have an impact in the Caribbean if people are mind shop. Because if your thing said this just is mm-hmm. a US thing, are you limited to it? You know, mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing. And I've, we'll get into that because you talk about travel. I've always had some issues with how the Caribbean treat us, Caribbean American content creators in terms of, mm. you know, so this is a reckoning. And if, you know, if you don't want the, the wrecking ball reach very far, mm-hmm. you know, you have to start incorporating us as content creators because we are uniquely positioned with a foot in both culture. You know, we, we, we are of the culture and we live in the place. And um, so I'm ready to get into all of that, ready to get into all of so, that. So you're, so you're specifically talking about um, your website, um, Carry On Friends and, and your podcast, which you've been doing um, for a number of years now. And yes. also you've started Breadfruit Media. Media. Tell me a little yes. bit about that. So Breadfruit Media is, a, is Book Up. 
right? So, um, but walk up only happens when you are in a place. And 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 for those who don't understand the Jamaican um Jamaican walk up meeting, it was it was it was a coincidence. It was you know it was kismet coincidence. Yes, yes, yes. Happenstance. I'm sorry. I have to I have to remember my audience. So you know um. Breadfruit Media was just a coincidence. It, it started in 2017 when I was interviewing this entrepreneur and he had a podcast and he was interested and he was asking questions and he said, why don't you produce it? So I did all the work, but he nev- they never released it, which was a valuable lesson um, when I approach or evaluate clients. But my 2018 is when I officially launched Breadfruit Media and had um, the first podcast officially released, which is Style and Vibes. And what Breadfruit Media is, we do end-to-end podcast production, among other things now in 2020. So I work with um, clients. I'm a collaborative, creative partner, because even after you figure out the technology, you know, to plug in the mic, you know, for use the recording, you know, to edit, there's a lev- there's an aspect of podcasting that requires creative um creative ideation what are the topics we're going to do how are we going to do this and you know keeping people on schedule or keeping on track you know ingrid you talked about you were supposed to do this would i still must the lot we would have still launched the podcast covid or no covid you know before breadfruit media production to what i just kind of accountability a partnership thinking long term in terms of where the podcast fits in a client's mm. brand ecosystem. And then um, in addition to that, I still get people who want me to help them. So I have a BFM sound class, which is where I teach people to edit their podcasts. I do podcast audits. Um, I have recently launched a BFM Masters, which is a mastermind because those who have helped to edit their podcasts they still come back and they want support. So we've just kind of created that. And these services weren't me saying, hey, I should do this. They were, it was a natural progression as clients asked for things. And it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. we'll just create this. And so supporting because I want to be able to create content specific to the Caribbean or the Caribbean American lens or experience or viewpoints Mm -hmm. because it's the reason why I started Carry On Friends. There just wasn't a lot of content specifically created for a Caribbean American outside of entertainment, outside of gossip, outside of, you know, the very popular topics, you know, news and sports and entertainment and gossip, they will, there's no shortage of that, but anything outside of those things, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very hard to find now it's much better, but you know, there's still more diversification we need because, you know, Korean people, we're not not short of topics to talk about. You have armchair politician, you have rumbar preacher, you have all these other things. And we we don't see that reflected in Mm -hmm. the contents that we are putting out. We just kind of keep doing similar things instead of, um, you know, stretching and going out that comfort zone. And so I enable people to kind of, um, lean, you, you know, just kind of, just kind of stretch out and explore creative bravery from a that's, podcast. That's, that's so it's cool. So what we've established here is that Tanya, you're in the, the, the film making and, you know, online video making um, scenario and mm-hmm. Carrie Ann is, you know, really kind of zoning on blogging and podcasting. So let me, let me kind of go into um, some of the discussion section here. Now, my, 
my why for starting Rebel Girl Media. Um, and Rebel Girl Media is a digital media company that's focused on creating Caribbean content that is reflective of what I have detected and seen as a new Caribbean emerging, as I said in the email to you guys. A new, a new Caribbean that's emerging for, maybe for the past it's, you know, five, ten years that's going to digital, that's becoming more inclusive, and that's embracing its fringes like cannabis and also falling in love with itself in fresh ways. Do you agree? And anybody can um, answer, um, answer during this time. Um, do you agree with that, with my take on this new Caribbean emerging that's going digital, becoming more inclusive, embracing its fringes like cannabis and falling in love with itself in fresh ways? To an extent, I... Um... To an extent, it's still not wide. It's, it's still not where we want it to be, but I, it's definitely right. improving. Because Agreed. for one of the things, we can't talk about digital media unless we talk about content ownership. And so right. while the Caribbean is embracing digital like it's anything, they still don't know, own the content. You can't have 19,000 Instagram followers and you don't have a blog or you don't have an email or a newsletter. Because then yes. you don't own mm-hmm. the content. Mm-hmm. Instagram right. owns that. So if Instagram kick you off, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. so so you are you are you are participating in the digital ecosystem, but you are not necessarily owning your content. You know, I keep right. using the phrase like it's capture land, you know, social media is capture land. It's it's not if when the owner comes for it and decides to evict you, that's that's it. And so Going a step further, it's great to see how creative or people are using the these different platforms, but getting to understand the ownership, meaning you have your own landing space, your own website, your own email list or newsletter mm-hmm. list is, is really going in the direction we need it to go. And right. I, I don't see a lack of that happening. Yeah, I to to just piggyback on that, like there's a lot of there's a lot that's going on with global trends. And I do believe that, you know, as Caribbean people, and, you know, we tend to be very, very creative. And it, it, Jamaicans especially, I mean, some of the memes and the TikTok videos that, that are spit out, like, immediately as something happens, something in current event happens. And they're humorous and they get viral and everything. But as, as you know, Carrie is saying, they don't actually own that content so they put it up on the tick on tiktok and they put it up on twitter and they use instagram to feed it but then they don't house it anywhere and it doesn't become hey you've seen this now come to my website and see what else i do and how else i'm creative and 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 when i look at things like that and i i look at like for example and i can speak to jamaica because that's where i go like i look at the advertising in jamaica and it lacks creativity and i'm like but it can't lack creativity when they generate such such interesting memes in a heartbeat. Like that person who created that meme, that person should work at an agency and be spitting mm-hmm. out some stellar content. Like the billboard should be leaving you guffawing. Like you should not be able to move in traffic because you're dying from a billboard that you're seeing. But that's not happening because they're not monetizing their artistic efforts. They're doing it for fun, but they don't realize that fun can also make you money. <laughs> Well, it's also because the J- Jamaica and the Caribbean is still kind of nascent in understanding the influencer culture. True, and I think true, what, what's true. happening is that we use, we st- we're still equating influencer 
with society, status, last name, money, yes. as opposed to America and Black Americans associate influencer as in exactly, as you said, Tanya, your TikTok sell-off, it's good, it's generating mm-hmm. views. That carries more value than any money or name yeah. or status. The creativity, the creativity, right, the creativity. The currency and not mm-hmm. societal status. And I think the Caribbean hasn't yet understood that in terms of an influencer marketing, social media and marketing standpoint. And I think the only way they get it is when it is undeniable. So like partnerships with Dotty Berry, you know, because it's very clear that he has this following and an audience, but there are also people who are just as funny and, Mm -hmm. you know, are just as creative. And if you are a marketing agency or a company and you're looking for, you know, value, but um, entertainment, you can you could find this this the way the influencer market works here. You can find people who may not have as much views as a Dutty Berry or anybody else, but they're still creating content because you will say, oh, maybe they could afford one over the other. So that very basic understanding that influencer means that you're able, you have an audience, they're an engaged audience, and not necessarily the number of people that's following. And I think that's. I mean, if America is still grappling with this, I'm sure the Caribbean is still kind of way behind with that. And I think that's one yeah, of the because biggest we, challenge. We, we tend to be late adopters in the Caribbean. Like we follow, we, we tend to follow rather than try to lead anymore. Exactly. Which is really disturbing mm-hmm. um, because, you know, like I was we, I was reminiscing with, with um, Ingrid just last night about how creative and innovative or Caribbean creatives are like, um, they come up with some really interesting things. Like I remember back in the day, there were some really interesting apps that they were coming up with. And now that I think about what they did back then and what I see people using now, I was like, wow, if, you know, somebody had fed into that, it would have become, you know, probably become as big or bigger than some of the apps that we use now in our everyday lives. Which so is why I was going yeah. to disagree with you, which is why I'll disagree with you that because I've been in the tech industry and, you know, helped to kickstart um, Jamaica's um, tech startup scene and, and worked across the region as well. We, I think, what well, I think we're, we're here, here's what I've been seeing. We're very ahead of the game when it comes to seeing certain things, creating a, um, a product, which is an app or a, or a piece of content, whatever it is. We're great in doing that. We're seeing things, we get it done, we put it out there. But the disconnect, as you said, Kerry, is the fact that we don't know how to move that into a space. We don't know how to monetize it. We don't know how to monetize, we don't know how to make it a business. And Mm -hmm. we probably don't think we can because so there's that connection that needs to happen more because it's something that we used to do with our events and other people have been doing it um, as well. But... I'm trying to figure out why it I don't think it's not I don't think it's that we're we're late adopting. I think sometimes we it goes much more to our mindset mm-hmm. that we really don't value that content. It was like, I no, but that, that, that was too easy. Well that that was like nothing. I could create ten more. Yeah. We don't seem to like to we don't seem to it's value the fact that exactly it's like yeah, a it's it's like nothing. It it, it because it's so easy for well, us to do. We're like, okay, we well, all make it a big deal about. It. I mean, we I can make a business out of this, and some of them don't want to make a business, or they don't believe that they can actually make a business out of it. Well, so for other, me, that is a disconnection. Well, the other thing, which you know, I I talked to my brother in law, and I have my friends in Jamaica. The other thing that was a big hindrance to that, which. COVID kind of expedite that because 
understanding Ingrid, as you said, technology as an enabler. So how do you make money from that if you are in the Caribbean? Well, it's just the other day they're able to figure out some payment gateway. You know, if you're in the Caribbean and Mm -hmm. if you're not fortunate to have visa to come America, how do you get paid from someone in the U.S. to do some collaborative and creative work? Is yeah. all thoughts are going around and trying to figure out. So, like those other things, kind of created a challenge to work with um, people in Jamaica. So, my very first iteration of my website, I worked with somebody in Jamaica who, through one of my friends, so it was very, very intentional in collaborating with people in Jamaica. Fortunately yes. for for me, these people travel, so they know how to have PayPal and set up accounts up mm-hmm. here because they could travel. There's a huge group of people who are not able to do that and are still yeah. creative. And so they're not able to benefit in ways that other people are. But it's still yeah. very hard to work with other people just because of limitations in how you can pay. And also, even even with the best intentions, you, New York, I'm, I'm a Jamaican, but I'm like, chop, chop, let's go. We, we have to do deadline, boom, boom, versus a different yeah. work ethic. We're just like, no, and five o'clock, sh- no, me, 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 like, let's get to it. So that aside, because I can work with it, you think of the things that are um, preventing, you know, are creating friction for, you know, for, for really having a, a business opportunity for some, some of the creators in, in the region. You, you kind of hit on the, the, the biggest bugbear because, you know, it's, um we have a scenario where, you know, the Microsoft CEO, um, Satya Nadella, says, you know, because of COVID and, and all that has been happening and because we are, we're, we're inside and hyper-connected and, and, and dependent more on digital content and, um, and connected with each other and communicating with each other, he has seen digital transformation that usually takes two years happen in two months. Mm-hmm. And so it presents a fantastic opportunity to... To, uh, and it has been forcing and disrupting a whole bunch of different things, a bunch of stuff that, um, you know, a lot of brands here, whether they're in the food industry or in um, e-commerce industry, all of a sudden they realize, oh, shit, um, we need to do delivery. But how do we accept money? You know, sure, I can do curbside and I can swipe on, on um, swipe people's cards, but people, they don't want to come out of their houses then, oh my God, I have to set up my um, my payment online. How do I do that? Then all of a sudden, some of these banks was like, what they couldn't do last year, two years ago, all of a sudden they can now do, yeah. right? right? So they can set you up, you know, with your own payment gateway. So you can accept payments on through WhatsApp, on Instagram, all these things that they couldn't do before. Are they being um, very judicious and generous with their fees and set up? Some of them, not all mm-hmm. of them. Right. Mm-hmm. But what is this forcing us to do as a region and even as a country in Jamaica to say, you know what? Oh, my God, there really was this pent up demand like duh, of people needing to accept payments and process payments and have that money come into their bank accounts for the work that they're doing. They are not short of ideas or opportunities. That's what the Internet has given us. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what has been denied, as you said, Karen, is that 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 whole process, that ease the of ease. simply the ease yeah. of receiving the Venmo, money the and charge. Yeah. Exactly. You can right. open up an app, you can send whatever. And that people I don't think people understand that how that movement of money affects uh, affects um, the movement of our industry. Yeah. And and so that whole thing, you know, I mean we have COVID, we have a pending recession, we have the you know Black Lives Matter movement influencing it's heavily how we make content 
how we market content, how we distribute content, and how we monetize um, monet, monetize content. So, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly we don't have any issues in terms of making content, but let me ask you, 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 you referred to something um, earlier, Karen, that especially in the Caribbean, we were seeing too much yeah, on the gossip and the, um, the, the, you know, the entertainment side, but I'm not just the, not just the business of entertainment or, or thoughtful um, entertainment coverage, but it's a gossipy side. What do you, you guys, what are, I mean, and that's why I said, you know, there's a new Caribbean as emerging. We're becoming more inclusive. We're, we're embracing our fringes regarding, um, you know, cannabis and other things. What kind of a content should we be putting out there? Um, I, I, what would you like to see? What would I would like to see more? Um, I mean, and this everybody always says I would like to see more of our stories. But um, as we tell our stories, I think we need to make them um, more global in reach. So, for example, you know, earlier on in our conversation, uh, Kerry say, you know, um, what was the word she used? Uh, buck up, right? So she used the right. term buck up, right? And then you explained what buck up means. So that makes that moment more palatable for global audiences. You've taught them a little bit about Jamaican culture, but then you've also explained to them what you were saying. So they actually have an active now role. They're getting involved in Jamaican culture. I think as we share our stories, we should share our culture and we should write them or craft them with the view to sharing our culture. Because you have to educate somebody on the culture before you can... Like when you think of all of the... Uh, African-American content uh, films that, that have been made throughout decades, they now have a shorthand with their films. And there are certain things, like, I don't know if, if I think, uh, Ingrid, I may have been speaking to you about it, but, like, we watched um, a Black Lady sketch show, right? Yeah. And there are certain things in that Black Lady sketch show that if you are not exposed to Black American culture on a daily basis, you don't get. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. now a shorthand with that. It's a similar thing with our content. When we create our content, we should create it with a view to we're not just creating it for Caribbean people or we're not just creating it for Jamaicans or Trinis or, you know, but we're creating it for a global audience. And I think we need to position it that way. Um, and I just think we need to keep spitting it out. Like the more you make, the better you get. Right. Um, I think we need both because mm-hmm. the reason why I created Carry On Friends specifically is because I felt like there was more of the other and not more for me reasoning with you, Tanya or Ingrid, like me talking to you. I think there was a lot of, you know, every for, for the outside world. And what I found here in New York city, in my experience is that the content I was creating was a content people wanted to hear because what was happening when I go to work, I'm telling you, you know, I remember the story when my brother-in-law called me, and I was like, hello. And I answered the phone all stush and, you know, all prim and proper. And then I heard somebody say, hello, may I speak to Carrie? And I'm like, who is this Jamaican man calling me? And when he tells his story, he was like, who is this woman answering my sister-in-law phone? I was a mm-hmm. completely different person. And so when my coworkers hear a hint of accent, they perk up, they turn around, they say, talk, they, they want to know more. Yeah. So when yeah. I 
when I create content and, and there's a space for, to your point, we have to create everything. There's not just one lane. You can't, you can't have the, the content straight for the people and the people to get it. You can have a hybrid of what I do where I go between I Patua and the English. Mm-hmm. And then you have some completely crossover. There's a space for everything. And I think well, I agree. what we get. I don't, is, I don't think we need to do the sanitized one anymore. I think, I think that's exactly. done. Like people that's have done, done. it. I, Exactly. I, I believe I believe what we should do now is we should do more of the code switch exactly. explanation. Thank you. You know, so it, it should be like we're You're talking and we're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yo, we're talking and we're having a vibe and we're building an energy. And then we explain what we've just said. Yeah. So it becomes more acceptable for the rest of the world. So that one day when you throw out a Jamaican um a movie and it's just in Pato, somebody will be able to understand, you know? Um, I mean, Ingrid can tell you, like my short film that I did last year, I struggled with it. I was like, well, do I do it and make it palatable? And it's, you know, at the core of the film is a guy from the ghetto basically talking about his feelings. And I couldn't have him saying, you know, I really didn't like that. No, he had to curse, he had to carry on, he had to use the vernacular. And so he went really deep Pato to the point where some Jamaicans watching it going, I'm really glad you put in subtitles because I didn't have a clue what he was saying right there. You know, Mm. so it is that I decided I was going to be as authentic to Jamaica as possible, but then I was going to treat it like a different language. You know, kind of like what they did with, huh? No, you see what you said is what yeah. we need to let people understand. Like yeah. I have conversations with people, you know, people always tell me like, you come from Obia, you always do this. Like even the island itself, we have different yes sainty people them saint people mm-hmm. saint elizabeth people talk bad if you come from town you talk a certain way you drag mm-hmm. your words and you have like more of a sing-song vibe versus if you're from the country or mobile you the rhyme and man dang mm-hmm. all, all these other things where we get a chance to explain to people that this is what it is not everybody said the same thing so the same way you have you know a californian or a, a P- southern person or someone from the northeast <coughs> in the u.s have different tones is the same in jamaica and you doing that in that film which i want to see will let people know that wait a minute you know everybody sounds different or everyone yes. says something different we all spell patwa differently but it's like you, you know what i mean so that is yeah. kind of the kind of content that we should put out for for our generation and my kids because my and that's kids, what I, go ahead and that, that's that's what i'm talking about where that we're falling in love with ourselves in, in in um with us in in fresh ways meaning that we want to show that there is a range to the caribbean there's a range to our jamaicanness um and we see that let's look at jamaica because we're going to be very bad there we're all jamaicans we have we have sure. a we have a we have a bob marley kind of a music where he speaks a certain him also um him also um you know speak speak um patwa they have a um sean paul kind of a jamaican experience right and they have um you know my my best friend marlon james who wrote a book primarily in patwa and you know people are saying that you can't do that you cannot or you and when it was published and won awards or you shouldn't have done that but people he wrote it in a way that people who were not familiar with um with with the patwa could actually get the meaning of what he said and so we have tons of examples out there of not just um, you know creating content for ourselves, so it's almost like mm-hmm. an inside culture, an inside joke, which is pretty much like what Black Lady sketch show, um, right? Yes. You know, your speaks to, and but you also have you know content that is that anybody who is human and you know and can actually approach it. 
Okay, that's so correct. Guess, as you said that, right? So I'm my film Winston is on the 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 film festival circuit, right? Um, yes. And during that film festival circuit, uh, I met a young female director, brand new in Jamaica, first thing she's ever done, written and directed. And she has this movie called Flight. Her name is Kia Moses. It's a brilliant movie, completely different from my movie, right? <laughs> it's like completely different. Um, but it is a movie about a little boy downtown. And she tells a beautiful story about a little boy who wants to be an astronaut because he wants to go to the moon and he wants to go to the stars, right? I don't want to give anything away because I want you to watch it. It's on HBO um, in their short film section. Um, and it's called Flight. Beautifully crafted movie. Beautifully done. Great piece of Jamaican content. Um, and again, different, but Jamaican. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she tells the story with no subtitles. You get the story. You understand what is being said. And they are not pandering to um, speaking proper English. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're not speaking too broken on English. She didn't go as far deep as I went because it didn't need it for the, for the piece. But she told the story. She crafted a beautiful story that is universal. It's also Jamaican. Um, and you know, she, she, I mean, I think, I think it's won awards and it's, it's been around in the festival circuit and, and it's that kind of content that I think we need to be spitting out more of. And I think there are a lot of, um, like I, JAFTA, which is the Jamaica Film and Television Association, I think. So they have a film series that every year they put out, you can enter, your script and they make like, I think three to five short films, they give you money and you can make your three to five short films. It's not that much, but it's something and it's a start. And so they've been spitting out um, short Jamaican films. Um, so they're spurring the interest in content. And, you know, going back to what you're saying before, Carrie, it's that we were spitting out a lot of news magazines in terms of video content. There were a lot of news magazines. There were a lot of, um, travel lifestyle kind of shows. There were a lot of talking heads kind of documentary things that were coming out and not enough of creative content about, you know, telling the stories the way other people are telling stories, but making them Jamaican. And I think we're finding now that a lot more people are picking up a camera and doing that. Or the and, I, and I love that because I believe um, that we simply must expand and change what this Caribbean narrative, um, you know, yeah. is because we, we know come from in terms, especially in film and video, we have the the gun gun and gangsters, the the yardy stereotype. Then we have the oh, we're gonna, you know, we have um the I'm gonna smoke weed by the beach um stereotype, you know. I or haven't we, seen it, that movie though. Which movie? That's a movie by we've the never beach? we've never made that movie. Jamaica what, has we, never. A, no Jamaican filmmaker has made that movie. And I think which, that's which actually movie? quite Smoke, smoke weed by the beach? Smoke weed by, weed by the beach. Like, they legit have not done that. Mm. <laughs> and, that and that's what, what I'm saying. What like, I mean, like, well, why well, haven't well, we done that? Like, well, what we've I mean, what had I mean, Teach like and Rasta. Chong movies. No, but we've had Teach and Chong movies that celebrate yes. weed like white people see weed. We've no, never we had a Jamaica... And, and when you think about weed, you think about Jamaica. Like I was just watching, rewatching Killer Mike's um, Trigger Warning on Netflix, right? And in this very first episode, he tries to live black, right? So he decides he's only buying products that black people, and he's only using products that black people have made. He realized 
that his weed dealer had a black girlfriend, but his weed did not come from a Jamaican connect. His weed, and that's what he said. He said he doesn't have, his friend was like, unless your weed comes from a Jamaican connect, you're screwed. I'm pretty sure that it's grown right here by a pothouse that is owned by a white man in California. So you get left. You cannot use it. And all he did for the entire time was try to find, for three days, was try to find weed from a Jamaican connect. Mm. Weed is synonymous with Jamaica. Why don't we have a weed movie? Why don't we have weed content? Do you know how much Mm. weed show documentaries there are on Netflix? Not one of them is from Yard. Except yeah. for Snoops. And all of yeah. them, and all of them, even even if it's from Mexico or whatever, all of them connotate this whole Jamaican Rastafarian, very yeah. Jamaican cultural feels in it. So yeah. that is kind of the power of it, which is why even when you're talking about cannabis, it's like, it's very odd that, you know, we... I don't know how to say this because it's not that I, I'm, I'm trying to phrase it in a way. It's, it, it's like... We in, in a lot of things, Jamaicans don't need permission with us. We, with us do things. Lickland Talawa, that's we. But in that's other right. things, we, do, we, we seem very timid and we look for affirmation or permission mm. outside to do the things mm. that, that, we is, know that we can do or we should be mm. doing. So, you mm. know, mm-hmm. for a long time, Amsterdam, we um, marijuana for medicinal purposes. Because remember, not all the songs are bonnet forget high, you know. Remember, you know. Um, Richie, um, I mean, Richie Spice say, you know, then burn, you, you, you smoke, you, you, you boil it, you cook it. In, in, in that one song, he tell her every kind of way you're going to prepare this, the marijuana, right? right? So we, we know that it's not just for smoke, for recreational purposes. You know, mm-hmm. before it's been added to food or it's a thing now, Richie Spice tell her, you know, the song, burn the marijuana upon the corner, and tell her how we cook it. In te- so why are we waiting until the larger True. Comp- world is saying, oh, cannabis is now an industry. And so this is where Jamaica get left. And, and a mm-hmm. lot of times when you think of, you know, COVID has taught us a lot of things. We cannot 100%, 80% rely only on tourism. We need to get to a, a, a diverse portfolio on how Jamaica and the Caribbean can sustain as an economy. And so getting payments sorted out is number one. And then taking some risk with our culture. What, you know, like looking at our cultural in exports and say, okay, what everybody else I use brand Jamaica, brand Caribbean for, and how can we make sure that as a region, we are capitalizing on our own brands because everybody else. Right. Right. We need to build. We need to build and have a base for another uh, reset of COVID, COVID, because that apparently is coming, and another three months down. And I, 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 we, we're not doing that. Like we, we rely way heavy, way too heavily. As well, even in Trinidad, like I was listening to a live, an IG live uh, interview with a chef from Trinidad, and they pre- basically had they they had the same issues we had you know, um, in Jamaica, that is, where everything shut down and everybody was like, wait, you've taught me to be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, and now for the last three months, I haven't been able to earn income or, you know, like this has now shut down and they're laying off all the doctors, lawyers, and well, not doctors, obviously, but lawyers and Indian chiefs. So what do I pivot and do? And a lot of people started cooking. 
And a lot of people started selling, um, you know, even the restaurants were closed. So they started selling box lunches and they started coming up with innovative other ways, you know, like um, making masks. I have friends who used to work in the hotel in Negril and their mother used to like hem clothes for people and a dress mechanic. And they walked in with some masks to a store with some masks their mothers made. And the people were just like, yo, get me some of those. And pretty soon they were supplying masks to the hotels down there. So there is a lot of pivoting, creative pivoting that some people are doing. But I find we could do it on a more global scale. Like I do think our content could be um, more global. We could be spitting more of it out. I would love to see us spitting more of it out. Um, and not just using the platforms, the social media platforms for the likes, but using it to drive to our base of where we now make income. Exactly. And so the content is there. I, the content right. is there. It's just that if it's not a juice, if it's not juicy or if it's not, it's not going to get it. So like, I don't get offended when people just discover Carry On Friends and Breadfruit Media because I am competing with other platforms that may not go and compete with and their content, them just, they're churning out much more of this entertaining type content. But those who want to find the content that I'm creating or my, my partner, my creative partners and other shows are creating, you will find that. But that is also the challenge. It's very hard to see in, you know, shows in this sea of other things and which is kind of why I created Caribbean Podcast directory is because if it not already happened because i'm gonna really check last time but the minute apple reach a million podcasts how do you stand out if you're a niche podcaster in a million mm. podcasts how do you stand out where do you where do you go and find your peoples like how do you find that and and so for me these are creative ways to say okay this is how we're going deep because i've been there five years ago when i started it was like how how where do where are my people where are they so it's not a so so debunking that when you build it they will come they won't come you have to advertise but you also know that you know it's where you go so that is how you it's your distribution it's exactly. your distribution platform and i think i think I think that is at its core what is actually missing for a lot of the Caribbean content. It's our distribution methodology. Because, for example, I just, uh, you know, with my short, you know, my creative producer said to me a couple of weeks ago, we really need to sit down and talk about where your short lives after this. And I was like, well, I just made it because I wanted to make art. <laughs> I, I never thought that it would go somewhere it's a short film and she was like nah you could monetize this like we just need to figure out where your largest base is and so we've been researching um uh streaming platforms and i actually just had a conversation with quelly tv that's k-w-e-l-i tv and yes. it's content that's run and and you know ingrid loves her isari so doing everything black um <laughs> Um, Quelly TV is actually owned by a black woman who has decided that she wanted to make a streaming platform for uh, content for and by the African diaspora, featuring the African diaspora, because she would she she'd not seen enough of herself in all the streaming platforms. And unlike all the other black platforms that are out there, the UMCs and the um, BET pluses. And I think Fox has a soul one and all these things. She is actually pulling content from festival winners, 
around and I think 65 or 70 percent of her content is from people who won in festivals whether it's a feature film a short or web series and it's black content it's black content from Africa from the Caribbean like there's Jamaican content on there there's Trini content on there um Haitian content on there um plus African-American content and it's it's just like when you look at the landing page it's just beautiful content like they're just beautiful scenes of black bodies I'm just like okay maybe this is where I want to live but then I start talking to her and I'm like okay so what is your subscriber base like because it's great that we live here and it's great that we're like-minded here but then what's the audience here like am I only going to be seen by the people who have content on your platform because we know about it how we're going to get it out there um Mm. and it has to start somewhere Yes, this is true. Maybe this is the building phase of that. But I, you know, we have to figure out a way for our Caribbean content to live and be distributed globally. Like, you know, we need to figure that out. It can, it would, it would be nice if it was Netflix, because <laughs> that's everywhere. Um, but, you know, unless we have somebody who can knock on that door. Anybody? Bulo? Bulo? But you no, know, but you know with Netflix, right? Netflix has Caribbean content, but the way they group it is not intuitive. You know, so depending on, you know, and it was Michaela who pointed out this out to me where she said, yeah, it's there, but you kind of have to go through the UK yeah, or something kind of way to find it. And I'm just like, you know, because since since the COVID retreat, um, they've been, you know, their streaming has been up. So it's how you present the content. So like everybody the other day discover Sprinter on there. And then there are all these, this other content, but you, you can't say, oh, show me shows from the Caribbean. It's like, in a you, it's in some other uh, world category. And it's like, it's, it's not. Because you, you, but the reason they have it that way is because they don't have enough of it. So for example, um, with, um African content. Once you watch one African movie or even click on one African movie, there is a slew of them that pop up in your in your um views. Like it's like because you watch this, here is like a hundred other things because they have that content. I think more the more Caribbean content or Caribbean content that gets on the platform is the more likely you'll be able to have something like that. I mean, for the last 10 years when I was in Jamaica, I was like, why don't, or whenever Apple came out, I was like, why don't we have Apple on Apple TV? Why don't we have a Caribbean content link? Like, you know, you have that Korean TV and you can click. I I mean, I haven't used Apple TV in a while, but when I first got it, there was a Korean TV link and you clicked on it and there was all this Korean content. And I was like, well, why don't we have that? Like, I want that for the Caribbean. Like, I don't want to have to hunt and search and say, I want a Trinidad film. So let me find on Instagram if I can find a Trinidad filmmaker and then see what they follow and see what platforms they have. And then maybe that will link me to a Trinidad film. Like, I don't want to go through that. I want to just go you somewhere, know, turn it on. And it sounds as if one, without question, we should leverage the existing digital platforms like your Netflix and your Hulu and everything to, you know, try and create, de- um, you know, content deals, distribution deals with these um, dominant market-leading um, digital mm-hmm. platforms. But yep. it also says to me that we should see, look about um, having our own platforms. And it could be something as simple as having, or as, as we alluded to before, having your own website, having your own email list, your own SMS list. You're creating your own 
community and ecosystem around the content that you create. And right. just like uh, the lady who has created the, um, you know, the, the Quelly um, uh, content, she is focused on a, on a sliver of the market that maybe, you know, Netflix or other are not clued into as yet. But I think that, again, we should do both. We shouldn't just be sitting here, boy, I want my stuff to be on Netflix. That's one way of, that's just one avenue or one channel of distribution. You know, we have to think, okay, do you know what? Maybe Winston should have its own, you know, winstonthemovie.com and put it there to live and actually, you know, build a whole, uh, you know, conversation um, and events around that, around that particular piece of content. That That is about owning that platform. And owning um, how it is marketed, distributed, and monetized. So there. I don't want to do thing. that though, Ingrid. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a carry. That's a part. The whole point. There are a lot of creatives <laughs> who don't want to do the business of okay. their. Uh, of right. their of the business. Because when you just said Ingrid, me say yes, and that's how you know your stats, you know your visits, you know your posts. Absolutely. Your posts, oh my you know god, everything. you guys. You have traction. So they, so true. because the thing you know they. At the heart of it, you know, Netflix is an entertainment company, but it's a technology company. So data is important. So they want to know, before we invest or try to come this, we want to know the traction. What else? Who else is creating this? What does it look like? What does it... And that is data. Okay, so what I will say to you, and I said this to Ingrid before, Netflix has stepped into Africa, right? And they're investing in... um, they're they're beginning to talk about investing in India. So like their global shows, um, any any television show that they're now generating that they can influence the content, they want the content to be more what they call global. So they want to have it. They wanted to have a, a a reach into India. They want to have it a reach into China. They want to have a reach into Africa. So if you come up with a show that has all of these different characters that will appeal to these different markets, they adore you even more. Um, this is from a showrunners uh, thing that I went to the work writers well, the, at, the at the writers that, right? We have right the, the Caribbean does have that, and that's what I'm saying. It's like they're looking for inroads into these larger pockets, these larger markets. So they've actually invested a lot of money in developing African content. Their mm-hmm. first foray into that was Queen Sono that they launched yes. earlier this year. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, to, admittedly, when I watched it, I watched it at the Pan-African Film Festival with a bunch of Africans from different yeah. parts of the continent. And yeah. bar none, those filmmakers were just like, okay, so this is a very, a very American look at Africa. Like that, they didn't feel like, oh, Africa. So it's a, it's an American version of Africa. However, there's now a TV series on, I cannot remember the name of it. But that's also a Netflix initiative that has a season two that's developed by Africans, that stars Africans. Uh, I think it's a South African piece. Um, and it, it's a South African filmmaker. And it, it's it's a beautiful piece and it's gaining traction. And so, and then they're investing in John Boyega to develop more content out of Africa. So what they're doing is they're putting us, they're putting African blast to the rest of the world. Like, hey, look, this is Africa. You may never visit, but this is what it looks like. These are what Africans look like. They are a range of different looking people. Um, and they're also in, investing in Africa and that sizable market because yeah. they feel like that market is so vast. They want the numbers. 
They yeah, want well, people to and that, combine and to the Netflix for the number. And, that, yeah. and that's typical of, of, um, of big content players like a Netflix. They go after the big markets like India and, and Africa. Right. And, and that's, also, that's also a perception that the Caribbean is supposedly small, you know, 44 million people. Um, but I think every time I, somebody said that to me, well, as you know, in, you know deep in, in the tech industry, I was like, yeah, but you have to understand that there's a diaspora. Then there is a, mm-hmm. then there is a, there's a there's a 10x and a 100x in terms of mm-hmm. influence, especially when you look at big brands like Jamaica and its and its global influence. So you can't just think of it just in terms of raw numbers as you think of Africa um, or or India. I get that, but the Caribbean is also still formidable. So I you know, it's a it's, brand. I think I think the Caribbean is more than just the numbers. It's an essence. It's a brand. It's a feeling that people have. Like when you say Caribbean to people or Caribbean to people, like they 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 have they have an image in their head, whether it is of, of the beach, of weed, of Bob Marley, of a good cold red stripe, like they mm. automatically get an image of something. They connect with something. There's a feeling, there's an emotion that they get from it. Um and it's usually a good one. It's usually a nice, mellow, chill vibe. And I feel like as a as a group of countries, you know, in the Caribbean, I think if we came together, we would have a stronger impact in being able to distribute and deliver content globally. That's just my agreed. Opinion. Agreed. But also, since since Ingrid, anybody's told you this argument, they have now might be reconsidering that position post versus. So you see absolutely the impact and the social impressions since that event. So it, you you know the, the event brought more views than people in the region itself. And you know, point, I know that Beatman is hilarious, and they tried to make two television shows at two different points in my career. Two separate productions have come to me, and they had started. They didn't ask me for my help, but they did it on their own and failed where they tried to make reality shows with Beanie Man and they failed. And I was just like, well, why would you fail? Beanie Man is hilarious. I love him. And it occurred to me, the wrong people are trying to make these shows. Exactly. And so and that's the problem is like, you need to have that connection with the essence of the brand to make the show. And that's what made Barossa's good. It was Sharon and, and the whole of that crew back there doing it. They didn't have any, Americans sullying the waters and telling them what them can and cannot say. Officer, do you want to be that guy? No, actually, actually, there's an interview with Swiss Beats and Joe Budden. And yeah, Joe Budden. And what happens there is Swiss Beats and Timbaland have an appreciation of the culture. And when you have people who have an appreciation of the culture and will give directives to who are the the Sharons and whoever in between, this is what Mm -hmm. you find. Because he was right. like, he was the one who wanted the early warm. He could only want an early warm if he's gone to enough Jamaican or Caribbean parties to know that an early warm exists. And so mm-hmm. when everybody else on the chat is like, wait a minute, it's seven yep. o'clock, why it not start? He's like, yeah. yo, mm-hmm. play the music, play the music. This is him in the comments. Yeah, he's not worried about it because he knows that, yo, this is culture. So, this is early yeah. warm, it's a pre-show. Exactly. Yeah. So when you have people who have a direct appreciation and understanding of the culture and will allow their creative liberties for it to exist, because mm-hmm. we don't operate in a conventional thing, right? Yo, Even the police the right thing, with that right? with a normal thing, you know? That's so a, it was just like, you know? You, so you, like, you said the right thing right there. So they had an appreciation for the culture and then the culture the world. They yeah. had, they had the 
the foresight to build a thing that was very almost authentic Jamaican dance without actually being in a dance and having the clash with the two of them there and they allowed it to survive and thrive on their platform. And that's the thing. They used a platform that catapulted it to even more of a, a, a bigger audience. Do you see what I'm saying? Like they, and it's that kind of synergy and partnership that we need from people like yourself and myself who are here and kind of straddle both worlds to be able to take the culture to that other level. It's to find that distribution, that platform, that network that can take the different cultures to the, the, the global level. That's yeah, what but here, Go ahead. But here, if, if I can just jump in here, here's the thing. Um, what, ver- what that versus battle between Beanie Man and Bounty Killer did for me is just simply validate what I already knew. That mm-hmm. Caribbean culture is global. Jamaican culture is global. What we now have is the data to prove it. Yes. Right? So it's not just simply, oh, yeah, you know, everybody know, um, you know, Usain Bolt, everybody know Bob Marley, everybody know whatever it is. There is now data that in, in just putting up Beanie Man and Bounty Killer, it appealed to Caribbean people at home in the region. It appealed to African-Americans um, living in the United States. It appealed to the diaspora around the world. And it appealed to everybody else who has ever been to the Caribbean, been to Jamaica, heard mm-hmm. about Jamaica, heard to Jamaican music, been in touch. So there, it was a multiplier effect for me. So we don't, I don't believe that we have to. So that alone proves yeah. and validates what we already knew mm-hmm. just by just the fact that we now have the data. And now, of course, there's a monetization um, of, of that. Very smart. Beanie Man went right ahead. He came prepared. Yes. And he had his merchandise store up. And then um, after the battle, he had different versions of um, co-merch- co-branding merchandise with the Versus Battle brand as well as the Beanie Man brand. And then a man, because everybody, and he went online and he the realized, oh my God, belly. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that there, there are a whole bunch of memes around that that was going on while the thing was going on and afterwards. And then they leveraged, he let Beanie Man leverage that yes. shit yes. Right, and put it on his t-shirts, put it on his merch, merch store, um, monitor, and then decides he's going to release a song about do you really want to be that guy yeah no that is for me a prime example 360 marketing right yes. of, yeah, man. Of, of, of understanding the kind of content to make the mm-hmm. kind of how to market that content especially in terms of timing in terms of leveraging that data in terms of putting it out on platforms that allow people to swipe that card and get a t-shirt Listen buy that song let me finish my point and also in terms of distribution it is one it was it was it was housed yes on ig but it was across youtube it was across on multiple platforms so they didn't depend on just one simple one platform as well and of course the whole monetization of all of that not just from the versus battle point of view and the fact that diddy put in um sponsorship for for Ciroc and not um a jamaican brand but i'll get we'll get to that on, on another show and um and the fact that you know you know in terms of monetization it was it was all there it, that was a that was a perfect example of how to actually liberate and to expand and to validate the Caribbean narrative and a Jamaican narrative globally. And I have to move it, move and ask you this, this right now, as, as we sort of um, wind down and wrap up. Mm-hmm. What trends, before COVID and even now more so that your eyes are trained online, right? 
what trends are you seeing emerge that you believe is what will be good for Caribbean digital content going forward? Should we be, um, are we, should we, you know, are we seeing more podcasts coming up and podcasts of a certain kind? Are we seeing more blogs popping up? Are we seeing the different kinds of video, more people getting into vlogging? What exactly are you guys seeing in terms of digital trends that is really amplifying Caribbean content? So I can talk from a podcast perspective. So what I've been seeing a lot is there are a lot more people creating podcasts. The substance of that is a whole other story, but they're creating podcasts. What I've particularly enjoyed through the directory, I've now been seeing sports podcasts. And when I saw it, I was like, hallelujah. Because for for a region that participated in so many sporting activities, there weren't enough. And this is what I talk about, diversification of content. So like the drive phase, I saw another one that's more soccer focused. There There are podcasts on topics that we don't see a lot. So people are creating content. Whether they create vlogs is another thing because as as the verses was going on, we over here said, please God, make sure said they did everybody put all of the internet support services around wherever the verses are keep, right? So we talk right. about technology enablement. Do we have the bandwidth or the capacity to allow for people to be able to create the content the way they're able to create the content in order to upload and do all of these things? You know, in COVID, we I'm recognizing my how fortunate and how privileged I am to have one bag of com- a lot of computers at home and have stable internet, whereas other people do not. So if this is happening here, think about what's happening in the region. So we have to think about how technology will enable more of this content creation, not just from the privilege, but, you know, as make it more widely available. So technology now, as Michaela said it, um, my friends, Michaela, technology is not a luxury. It is a utility, the same way you have light and water. Mm -hmm. So we have to make technology a utility and accessible to more people so we can see more of this content creation. I want to talk about the website and, and be mindful that I do believe you should create a website, but we need to retrain people idea of a website. A website is not a 20 page website. You can have a two page website. You could that's have, correct. you know, so a website, you could have a landing page and you says sign up and that's where you get your newsletter or you have a contact page. It doesn't have to be a built, you know, with multiple pages. One that's page correct. or a two page is just as fine. Or it could just be the page where you are pulling in your embedded YouTube channel and you can put another section where it's pulling in your, your Twitter feed or your, your Instagram feed. It is really the, 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 the fireplace where people are coming to find you because you cannot assume that everybody's on Instagram or Twitter or on Facebook. As a matter of fact, you're finding people are moving off some of those platforms in light of what is happening socially and um, mm-hmm. in, in the US, like, you know, right. you know, with what Facebook said, etc. So you, I'm seeing these trends. And I'm, I'm also seeing that there are people in the Caribbean that I've always admired, kind of, you know, be, their message is more receptive. So I've always known Carrie Lee for like, wow, almost five years. I've known her. I met her online when she had. Who is, she? Who is Carrie Lee? She, um, so Carrie Lee, she had a platform called for women to women. Carrie Lee Dixon, and I didn't know she was in Jamaica because she would have massive Twitter chats in 2014, 2015. The biggest of American bloggers would participate. And I mean, these Twitter chats would go on. She had influencers that are big now back then, parts of Twitter chat. 
and she had a platform for women to women. She just launched her YouTube series. And so to see that, like, yo, I, I keep saying, Carly, you were a visionary. Like, you were creating things. I didn't even know you were in Jamaica until one day, like, I messaged her. And, like, she had a delay. And she's like, oh, I'm Jamaica time. I was like, girl, I didn't know you were actually in Jamaica. And that just made me want to support her even more. Um, Kadia Francis from Digital Jamaica. She's right. also very you know, very sleek and very structured way and, 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 and presenting that. So those are like things that I love to see because they are bootstrapping it, right? It's like you say it's post the other day. Yo, I'm a legacy money this. Uh, I like with a, with a put two hand together, dollar, dollar, make a thing. And that's kind of what I love to see because representation matters, right? So if you know Carrie Lee, Kadia, and a few other people that I know in Jamaica creating content, I know, say, yo, I went to high school with these girls and yo, them are create this. I can do it too. That is the whole enablement process. Like I can do this. And they're saying, I'm doing this on a shoestring budget. So here's what I'm able to do. So I love what they're doing and how they are kind of driving that message that this is what you need to do on social. You know, in Jamaica, do we need to be worried about click funnels and all of this extraness? No, you don't have that. You're not that, that level of digital transformation is not all the way in Jamaica. So like, Start with the basics, have a blog, a website, a one pager, get people to come to your site, get used to analytics because analytics is big. Analytics is king, content is queen. Either way, the two of them reign supreme, hand in hand. One cannot exist without the other and understanding your data is going to be important. And without the data, you can also be undervaluing yourself. Right. So you could say, oh, I have X amount of followers on Instagram or anything else. But what brands want to see is a three. I, I keep using this term. They want to see a 360 um, presentation of your brand. You're on social because you take that. In fact, when Instagram go down, we know it go down every once in a while. Where do people find you? You're running on Twitter now. You know, so how are you, you know, maintaining a balanced approach to your presence online? Because the brands that do it very well are not one channel. They're omni-channel. And so seeing, seeing brands out of Jamaica doing a little bit of that. And when I say omni-channel, they're not on every platform, but they choose two platforms to do it very well. In addition to having a website and a newsletter, and that is critical. So those are the trends that I'm seeing and I'm really loving and the podcasting space. There's a lot more, but just the content creation, because the more people that create the content, the more when I go to podcast conferences and I talk about Caribbean, they're like, what? I can say, listen, the stats, here it is. I have X amounts of people in the directory. And then there are other people over here doing this, people out of the region. Why wouldn't you invest? Those are conversations that we need to have, but we have to create the content first to validate that, yes, you know, because they're all about numbers. Like we see the people, but a lot of times they, they're all about numbers. At and the data. The, exactly. The data, the numbers mm -hmm. and the data, because that is what, they, that is the currency, the data. For us, it's culture. For them, data is the currency that they see. Because they look at data and say, okay, we can monetize this data. And look at the data and see how we can monetize. Yeah. And for you, and for you, Tanya, what what trends are you you're enjoying? You're seeing emerge um, in the content. I'm I'm seeing global trends, but I'm not seeing it come um, translate into the islands. Like it's actually been disappointing to me. Like I've seen the 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 TikTok videos coming out, and yes, some Jamaicans are making use of that. But and they're they're making um, use of the IG lives. I do think more and more people are getting into live streaming their random activities, their thoughts, their hangouts with their friends and things like that. 
But um, what's disappointing for me is I don't see as much um, of the user-generated content to make content, like a, a, a full-fledged thing, um, whereas I'm seeing Americans do it. So I'm seeing Americans uh, do filming by remote and other parts of the world as well, you know, with their cell phones or their laptops or their tablets and, and kind of um, grafting things together. And I did not see much of that taking place um, throughout the last three months coming out of uh, Jamaica, especially because that's mostly the island that I interact with. So it was a little disappointing to me. I'd love to see more of that. But then they've also not been on, on extreme lockdown as um, we are here in the U.S. So there has been filming going on um, and productions are actually happening. Um, so and those are spitting out. What I do love is that phase three actually picked up on the streaming platform. And did that for the government. So the government streaming platform and the government content generation was on point during this COVID. Like they kept people in touch, connected globally and kept us informed. So that was actually quite impressive for me. Um, and I applaud them for that. Uh, I don't know that um, aside from press conferences, any other government in the region uh, did as much as we did in terms of communication and media. Yeah, correct. Jamaican government kind of hit it out to the park with their digital town halls and their um and their yeah. live their live press conferences um and all of that. But you know, you said something before I um I'll give you guys the last two questions. Um, I think, and it goes back to the whole data thing. And as somebody who is a data geek, um, and I've collected a bunch of data that I just haven't pushed out there yet. Um, in terms of tech startups and, and trends. And I'm sure you have a lot of data in terms of, you know, you can tell us the number of podcasts that are on your um, podcast directory and uh -huh. what are some of the, um, the, the, like the, the, the leading category. In fact, tell us that. How many, how many, how many people, okay. how many podcasts do you have registered on your web, on, on your podcast directory? And what are, I would say, maybe the top two categories right. that, that are driving right now? So right now, the, the, the directory requires actively joining the directory because then, right. you know, me, me, me about legal and content and technology, you give permission right. for it to be up there. So actively, there is almost there's about 93 published and a few pending because they haven't met the consistency requirement that I have. And for me, consistency nice. is a thing, right? You have to do it if you want to make any movement in any industry you kind of have to show that we're here consistently consistently the category that is number one is society and culture and mm -hmm. i've long since complained that society and culture is apple's miscellaneous category because if you can't fit in anything else just push it in a society and culture and so mm -hmm. it is very oversaturated and i feel and, and when they did the recent updates to categories last year i was kind of disappointed that it wasn't you know, that particular category wasn't diversified or did they, they didn't have more subcategories. So society and culture is number one. And then business is number two. And let me think what's the, I think those are the two big ones. When you look at okay. these two, two to three, three to four pages for society and culture and for business, you'll have at least three pages. So those are the main categories in uh, on the directory and of course you know more women are creating the content than men um mm -hmm. we have um the, the the number one country in terms of content creation is jamaica and then you have followed by trinidad barbados and bahamas and 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 um i want to say haiti are the, the the top four that are creating content 
Um, and you see that you see that Kerry, all of the you just to, tell me told me a while ago, told us a while ago, mm-hmm. is what we call um, you know, trend watching and trend data as you know. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is really important for us. And I said we 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 because for all we know, based on based on what is happening, what has happened over the COVID retreat, there's probably a, a, a maybe been a five hundred percent rise in the in the development of Caribbean content, but we yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably a whole bunch of people that have you know been you know registered using WePay to use um their pay their um their payment gateway. A lot more people who are on PayPal. A lot more use, people who are using the the banking um the new banking um payment processing um gateways to do that stuff but we don't know because we're not one collecting curating Mm -hmm. and also sharing that data publicly because it's important for us to know you can be able to say you know what um carbon podcasts and the production of carbon podcasts are on the rise these are the top two um two categories and women are driving um so and so and that kind of data is important because that is power so and that's something Recently, yeah. I updated the website to add some search functionality. So right now, if you go to CaribbeanPodcastDirectory.com, there's not yeah. a counter function, but you can go and you could go by Caribbean culture. And if you filter to Jamaica, you'll see the number. It's very clear. You have pages right. versus, right. you know, if you go there. So that information is there. You you will just have to, it's not presented in a way that you can report it, but it's, it's very clear right. what the top countries are. It's very clear what the top categories are. But right. seeing that and what that means and, you know, understanding for me, you know, people reach out to me to advertise in podcasting. I would like to see more people expand on yes. that. I think mm-hmm. but, uh, something, I know we're pressed for time, but what I, one of the things that I've always kind of seen is that we're non-Caribbean brands are always reaching out to me to advertise in the podcast. And I've mm-hmm. held off on it because I want Caribbean brands to advertise and carry on friends, the Caribbean American podcast. And since I've done this and I've pitched only one company, I'm not going to say the name, who's been interested in partnering with me. No one else has seen the value yet over in the U.S. The numbers are there. Like American companies are sponsoring podcasts. The problem oh, yeah. is that Caribbean brands and smaller brands are like, well, how much clicks I get? And, and what American companies understand is advertising is awareness. It is not a yeah. revenue generation thing. Mm-hmm. It is awareness. So when so, you stay top of mind and understanding that this is solely for awareness building, it is for nothing else. It is not to drive sales. If you get sales, great, but it's not to drive sales. And I think understanding that very clear difference that this is what it is. When I go into a store and there's two products and I, I'm like, mm, I have to buy something, which one I'm going to buy? I'm going to buy the one that I'm most familiar with. Which one did I hear most on the radio, the TV, print? That is the one that I go with. Um, even if there's a legacy brand, I'm like, mm, is this the really the better one? This one packaging look good. And I see somebody who I like talking about it. Maybe I'll try that one. That is how advertising works. Um, and, and, I'd love to see more companies be interested in exploring that because that's the number one thing podcasters are. How do they generate revenue? It costs money to host platform if you're hosting it with a pretty decent company, but the data is there. And, you know, as we grow, we're looking to see more people take advantage of this new opportunity to advertise. 
Yeah, and you're you're right, but it does. Um, but advertising on a podcast or sponsoring a podcast does drive sales because that awareness leads to top of mind, leads to building a relationship and a trust with a with a customer. So that, as you said, when they go to a store, they go online and see your brand, it may lead to a click, mm-hmm. and that is in fact a sale. So it actually does drive sale. Yes. What I think is what I think is 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 a is a missing thing is that because. The um, American and the European markets are advanced in terms of the development of the podcast industry. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so they understand the value that wherever the eyes and the ears are, that's where they're, they're, they should be spending their money. Right. And so a lot of the and, and so what I find in, um, in the Caribbean, in some of the Caribbean islands, there are some brands that are hip to that and are doing it. Right. Because the first iteration of, of my video, my vlogs that I did in 2017, 2018, it was fully sponsored by by Jamaican Bank because they understood that connection. But I think more as more people, um, I think more podcasters professionalize what they do. And in terms of how they present it and can actually provide that data to brands and also sell it in a way where they can connect their audience with the, an out, a business outcome for a brand, I think we'll see a lot more deals happening. And honey, if, if, if a non, non-Caribbean brand is giving me money, I'm going to take that check. Yeah, especially no, no. Now. Yeah, listen, right? listen. Time, so. things and times change, okay? <laughs> Right. And so that whole monetization is, is, is peace is really, really important in terms of Caribbean digital content. We have to, um, you know, um, I'm glad that we're seeing in terms of just overall trends, uh, a movement in terms of making the, the there's an ease in accepting payments and processing those payments so that money comes into your bank account in a timely way that enables the, 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 the business to move forward. I'm glad that we're seeing that happening. I'm happy to hear that we're having more podcasts that are being developed. I'm happy to hear that there, that there is a thinking from both of you, it seems, that what we need is an expansion of the Caribbean narrative, that we are sometimes, yes, we can lean into um, what is typical about the Caribbean or beach or weed um, and other things. But also there are other there are other narratives and other stories that also must be told because a Caribbean person is never just one thing. And even a Jamaican person is never just one thing. I live in Kingston 8. People tell me I have a Kingston 6 and Kingston 21 accent. You know what I mean? What, what, is that, what does that really mean? What does that look like? Look like, look like right? Go on, laugh at me, Tanya, right? But these are things that I'm talking about. There's, there, there are nuances of Jamaican-ness, of Trinidadian-ness, of Caribbean-ness, yeah, yeah, yeah. of Caribbean-American and so that for me means that there is a crap load of stories and, and content that can be made not just for ourselves um, but also for the rest of the world and I'll end with this last question Kerry what can we expect from you for the next six months of 2020 um, create more podcasts no I shouldn't say create more podcasts create content that is different it's not what you know create content that is different and what you're not used to seeing Carrie doing um that's that's me really taking that creative bravery and just doing my thing I'm not waiting permission from nobody to do it so uh, you see more of that um I want to expand into other media creation because I don't feel like my creativity stopped there and so just exploring different ways to, you know, be in the director, pr- producer chair, you know, from behind the scenes. So that's that's what I'm looking for. And, you know, some some other partnerships that are coming up um, with other brands in the content on um, the podcast con- um, creation space. 
Beautiful. And from you, Tanya, what can we expect to see from you over the next for the next six months of 2020? You're in the filmmaking business, the video making business. What can we expect to see from you? So I'm gonna make a movie about a girl on the beach smoking weed. No. <laughs> hey. All right, my, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get the beach butter ready. Give me, give me, give me two months. Give me two months to get the beach butter ready. <laughs> so, so I'm all about the next challenge. Um, so I, you know, made uh, commercials and they're very happy and upbeat. And I've made some great um, TV series throughout my career. And so last year I attacked a drama and a narrative and a very dark, um, psychological almost piece. Um, in a short film. And so my next mission and my next challenge for myself is to actually do a Jamaican feature film. Um, and the term I'm banding about, about is a supernatural psychological thriller. <laughs> That's Jamaican. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to be seeking funding for that and trying to put that together because that's the next thing I want to spit out. And I want to see more content. I have the the mini docs that I'm doing as of as a result of COVID. Um, and I'm putting that into um, film festivals and stuff and also talking to Hollywood and seeing where that leads, you know, mm -hmm. who knows, I might be writing on a TV series in six months in LA and have a open bedroom for friends who might currently be in Jamaica to stay in <laughs> if they come to visit. <laughs> as long I as mean, they break the smuggling mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. You know, y'all not see me in New York right now, let me tell you, but I will go to LA. Uh, <laughs> For sure, it's more spread out and definitely more tropical. You know, um, ladies, thank you so much for your time um, and for your energy on it. The different perspectives. And, and trust me, I know we could have talked for at least for another hour because um, digital content is such an expansive um, industry. And there's so much um, that we can do and um, with our you know, Caribbean digital content. And I'm very passionate about it, and you guys are too. I'm glad, Carrie-Anne, that you're, you, know, you've, you're, you seem to be honing on the podcast space because there's just a, yes, it is very hot now globally. I'm in the second wave of, of, the, punk, of, of the podcast um, industry in terms of its growth. But you know, I'm glad that you've created this platform um, you know, with Breadfruit Media, um, with the Caribbean podcast, director.com, that presents um, these consistent podcasters to ourselves in the region and also to the world. And that will inspire and encourage others to get into the podcast and then choose their niche because it's like the future of, of digital media is actually niche, but that can also go global. So I'm really happy to hear that you're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're deciding going to own that space and head into that space. And Tanya, we're going to hold you to this. That we want to see more docs and more feature films that is very Jamaican and Caribbean centric that will definitely feed our souls here in the region and would definitely inspire and, and attract um, a, a global audience. Thank you both so much for um, you know, joining me on this discussion of um, the future of Caribbean digital content. I know who is listening. You're going to have a whole bunch of contents, um, a bunch of questions. Um, Kerry, how can people get in touch with you? So, uh, it, it, you know, boy, it depends, but, you know, I'm on social at 
Breadfruit Media at Caribbean Podcasts, and mm-hmm. um, I'm also at Carry On Friends. And then to email anything regarding the directory, it's Carrie at Caribbean Podcast Directory dot com or info at breadfruitmedia.com. And Tanya, how can people get in touch with you just in case they want to give you some money to for those docs or or, or, or for next film thing? Yeah, you know? or they want to how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can go to jamaicandirector.com. <laughs> um, very simple. Uh, all my connects are there. They can email me, Instagram, Twitter. I've fallen in love with Twitter again as Ingrid has forced me to start writing every day. Um, Jesus. <laughs> So yeah, I'm there at anywho tt at on Instagram and anywho t two on Twitter and JamaicanDirector.com. Beautiful. Um, so guys, thank you so much for listening to this another episode of Silicon Career Podcast. As we continue to focus on the future of digital and Caribbean business, of course, as usual, I'll share with you stories of Caribbean people that are fine that I find online that are out there in the wild for using technology and very innovative thinking to launch all kinds of digital businesses. I'm glad that with this episode, you got to know who some of these people are and what they're doing and how they're thinking. As we continue to take you to that part of the Caribbean that's beyond the beach and going digital. Now, if you found some value in this episode, and I believe you've probably found a lot on whatever platform that you're on, because we're on nine platforms, do leave a comment. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe so you can get notified as to when we put up a fresh episode. I'm your host, Ingrid Riley. Thank you for listening. Take it easy.